Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back, and uh, this is uh, fi- our 5 o'clock show, the number one show in the Holy Coast, just about. And uh, in the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg and and Congressman Peter King, two common sense individuals that stand in the middle. And the biggest story, the biggest story is about this submarine. What the heck we're going on? And uh, we have some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now to talk about the missing sub and also the new banging sounds and clanging that they're hearing. Could there be a glimmer of hope? Joining us is Bobby Chacon, former FBI agent and dive expert. Bobby, what do you think? Could they be alive and could we get to them? Well, you know, this Rita, this most recent development of this noise that the Canadian military kind of picked up on and it's apparently still going on. You know, it, it could be, you know, this is theoretical, but there's a lot of sounds in the ocean and, and, and sound moves really weird in the ocean. Um, thermoclines, water temperature, currents, all affect sound underwater, the acoustic signals. So, you know, if I were them, what I would be looking for, is it a constant sound? Like, is it a repeating sound? Like, in other words, are they clanging on the outside or the inside of that vessel with a wrench or something? So is it mechanically repeating itself? And that would give me an indication that it's either man-made or something mechanical, which is a good sign. If it's a random noise that's happening at irregular intervals, there's more of a chance that that's somehow in nature, something in nature is causing that sound. Um, oftentimes we do the same thing when we look at sonar images. Is it a right angle? Is it a square? Um, or is it more of an irregular uh, shape, which means it's probably a natural uh, shape rather than a man-made shape? So they, they have the best experts uh, on acoustical signals analyzing these new sounds to see if, in fact, it sounds like something that could be man-made or if it sounds like something that's natural to the environment. Now, the American people don't really understand. They hear the, they, they see the headlines, uh, and uh, the communications went down an hour and 45 minutes after they hit the ocean. How far away from the Titanic were they at that point? They were close. They were more than halfway there, in, in my estimation, um, from the experts and friends of mine that have actually done that dive on other submersibles. So I think that they were close to the bottom, but I don't think they had arrived there yet because when they arrived, they notify topside when they have communication. So the fact that they hadn't notified uh, topside when the communications went out indicates to me that they hadn't reached the bottom, but estimates are it takes anywhere from two to three hours to get down there. So an hour and 45 minutes into that trip probably was closer to the bottom than the top. So they were more than halfway there. Um, it's hard to say exactly how far off the bottom they were, um, but in my estimation, they were close to the bottom. Now at 12,500 feet, uh, have they sent cameras down at all? I mean, nobody really understands. Nobody's really talking about it. Uh, they talk about noise. It could be, uh, the, uh, the mini submarine was supposed to sometimes go near or in the Titanic. Maybe they're stuck. And if they're stuck, how do you get them out? 
Well, they're deploying these remote-operated vehicles now. It takes time to get them prepped and to get them on site. That's that's the biggest issue because we're it's a race against time at this point. And so they have some of those deep ocean remote-operated vehicles which are, attached, which are attached to the surface by an umbilical cord, which gives you cameras, it gives you um, sonar, it gives you um, cutting ability. Sometimes they have manipulator arms that have cutting capabilities. I had one in my FBI inventory on my, in my underwater program. Um, we you, you know, though, Bob, you know what they don't have, though? They don't have a lot of food. You know, that's the one thing, that, and they're running out of oxygen. I mean, it's really well, scary. Well, it's the oxygen that, that, that right. counts. You know, I'm an optimist, the John. That, that's the problem. You know, now, I'm, if I'm they, hoping. No, if you find them, how do you get them up? Yep. Uh, I mean, they yeah. run out of oxygen 6 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning. Yeah, and that's, that's John, that's the best case. Remember, those estimates on the, on the breathing air are estimates under normal working conditions. When someone is injured or they're panicked or they're stressed, their respiratory rate goes up and their air consumption goes up. So the, the amount of hours of available air goes down because they're breathing more heavily. And, and so those estimates are best-case estimates under normal conditions. They're not estimates on people that are stressed and panicking. Now, with your experience, uh, and it's now uh, maybe 12 hours away, 14 hours away from best-case scenario, um, and to get them up and out, I think it's, uh, I think it's bad news. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with you. The grim, it's grim. Every hour that passes is, is, is another major milestone of bad news. And I think that if they're stuck and they can free it with an ROV, if they can cut it free um, and they can deploy one of those uh, emergency is, lift is there a period? Board, maybe. Is there a period of time that they have to decompress on the way up even if they found it? No, not unless the um, vessel has depressurized. So that vessel is pressurized to one atmosphere, so they're, they're under the pressure of surface the whole time they're down. So there's no decompression issues as long as the vessel itself stays pressurized. You know, th- those dives are designed to go down, stay at one atmosphere of pressure, and come back up. So there is no, um, there is no decompression issues if, if the pressure in the vessel is still intact. Wow. Well, Bobby, thank you so much. And I'm holding out hope. I think about, by the way, um, where was it in Columbia just recently? Kids who after a plane crash, they survived 40 days. Um, I'm always kind of praying for that 1% glimmer of hope. And hopefully that happens in this case, too. Bobby, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, John. Wow, that is amazing. And the clock is ticking. And everybody, as we get developments, we'll keep you posted. I'd like to be an optimist, Rita, but I think they're toast. You know, and I'm praying, John, but you're right. The odds are definitely against them. It it is incredible. Uh, And also, by the way, the other big story today, John, is uh, John Durham, the special counsel who is assigned to look into these allegations of Trump and Russia collusion. He put out the big report. who made him special counsel? Well, he was the special counsel under Trump. He was put in under Trump. Bill Barr. Bill Barr Barr actually did under Trump administration. Yep. Attorney General of the United States. Okay, let's see. We got Rudy Giuliani, Mayor Giuliani on. And he knows his stuff. And what, what happened today? Yeah, so uh, Rudy, boy, explosive testimony. Here is Durham. And he said, under no, like, uncertain terms, clear as day, there was no justification to launch a probe and there was no collusion between Trump and Russia. Uh, what was your reaction, Rudy Giuliani? Well, pretty much the same as to his r- a report, although it, it is a, a little more dramatic hearing him say it. 
which is uh, sounds like one of the worst political crimes in American history. Uh, a completely fabricated story that you paid over a million dollars for first to deprive someone of the presidency and then to remove a lawfully elected president. Uh, and then but no consequences. And that, that's what troubles me about it, because I mean, people still ask me, why wouldn't somebody do it all over again? Well, Mr. Mayor, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. That's exactly right. Where's the deterrent to doing this all over again? In fact, didn't they do it again in the 2020 campaign? With yeah, the that's Biden? Right. of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what they're doing now? I mean, they did it. They did it with the uh, suppression of the hard drive. And maybe they just did it with this plea they worked out. Who knows what they have in mind with that? Rudy, if you were attorney general, and I think uh, you were offered the job as attorney general, and uh, 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 President Trump would have been uh, lucky well, to sir, have you, well, probably, because you. You, you know, you're a man of law. And um, what would you have done? What would, what would you do now? Well, what I would do now is I think you need emergency surgery on the FBI. I mean, you got you got to basically clean out the entire headquarters. Well, suppose you they say to you, "We were ordered by the Department of Justice to do that." Oh, tough luck! I mean, so were the Nazi prison guards. So, I mean, uh, look, the things they were doing are things that a responsible, decent, and honest law enforcement officer would not do. So, should Christopher Ray stand up and say, "Enough is enough. That's it," or, or "This is wrong." I don't think he's capable of being able to do that. You got to get rid of him. I mean, he, pre- he presided over all of this. Congressman King, by- do you know him? I just met him briefly. I was much more familiar with uh, uh, Mueller before that, and then Comey. And I have to admit this: for a while, Comey actually fooled me. I thought he was for real. Now I realize he was one of the biggest frauds of all. He and John Brennan working together. What they did is one of the worst conspiracies I think in American history. Yeah, you're right. You know, I hired him a long time ago. Back in 1986 or so. Rudy, and I thought you were perfect. <laughs> well, you know, every time every time I would say that, I, I, Trump would say, you hired uh, you hired Comey. I would say, well, you hired Cohen. Wow. Yeah. Well, but the irony, too, is Adam Schiff. How about Adam Schiff today? Uh, this was the other thing, Rudy. Oh. And, and, Peter, I can't wait to get your take on this, Congressman King. Here's Adam Schiff. Uh, asking questions in the Durham hearing, uh, basically, you know, s- trying to like stretch Durham and Durham is saying, no, there's no evidence of this. There's no evidence of that. And he's being cens- censured today. One of the rare times scolded by Congress, yeah. Peter King. Yeah, Congress, probably the first time ever that a, uh, a member of Congress is, is going to be censured, could be censured for carrying out his duties. Now, he carried them out so fraudulently and so brazenly. Uh, everything he did. I was on the intelligence committee. He was going through that. And we would hear testimony three floors down under the ground, this top secret uh, setting. And next thing I know, he's up in CNN. You wouldn't believe we got definite evidence of collusion today. Russia and Trump are working together. It was, it was all BS from beginning to end. So he, it's one thing to exaggerate. It's one thing to have a different opinion. But he did. He really perpetrated a fraud and a hoax on the American people. And what the saddest part about the whole thing is he then takes what he did, which is disrupting this country for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and he uses that as his basis to run for the United States Senate in California, and the people in California will probably elect him as the next senator. That's incredible. Rudy Giuliani, your reaction? Yeah, I mean, Schiff's, uh, Schiff is beyond uh, description, really. I mean, all, all during the time I represented uh, Trump, he would get me so angry because he would say things that were totally untrue. He knew they were untrue. I knew they were untrue. He would just say them. 
and the press would, you know, would would uh, follow it as if it was gospel. Uh, they, they had a practice of leaking about every two or three weeks. Mueller did that they were going to indict Donald Trump Jr. Now they never were going to indict Donald Trump Jr. In fact, ultimately Mueller decided it wasn't even a crime that uh, that uh, Donald Trump Jr. was involved in. But they did that to really unnerve uh, uh, the president. They knew they, they knew they could probably create more uh, anxiety for him by going after his son than him and that he'd make a mistake or lash out. Or um, I mean, after a while, we found out about it through some leaks and it didn't have the impact that it had in the future. But that's the kind of that's the kind of things that they do. And I've never heard heard of this in law enforcement. Yeah, We've so, had so law enforcement officers, but these people are these people are you know close to evil. How do people have faith in the Justice Department, you know, and the FBI? And that's the sad thing. Even today, Rudy Giuliani, I was listening to the testimony, and even Durham said it's going to take a while to restore trust. How does the average American have faith when they hear such a lopsided investigation? And Jim Jordan today was like the congressman there from Ohio, who's the chairman of the committee. He was going on and on and on and saying, well, did they follow up with this one? No, only ones that fit sort of their mindset that might show 1% of like of a potential. But anybody who was poo-pooing the whole like Russia hoax, Trump theory, they'd ignore them. I mean, it just, it sounded, Pete is shaking his head, Congressman King. I mean, that's, it's just amazing. Yeah, I sat through all those intelligence committee hearings. Rudy mentioned Don Jr. I sat there for his entire testimony and the questions I asked him were so absurd, so ridiculous. Did a, uh, any, did any Russian ever buy an apartment in Trump Tower? Russians and Chinese are buying apartments all over New York. Did I mean, they have Russian caviar yeah, at yeah, one yeah, point? Yeah, that's right. It was right? so absurd. It was terrible. <laughs> did they go to the Russian tea room? Did, right? they, did they, they go to Shunli for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they made it sound like, again, that this was some kind of catastrophic uh, testimony. And then Schiff would run up to CNN. Well, we just heard about his dealings with Russia. It was a guy who rented an apartment. It was insane. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Rudy, before we let you go, I want to get your take on all the Hunter Biden stuff, too. Uh, we're going to have Michael Goodwin later on here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, yeah, but, he's got a great column today. Yes. Great column. Great column. Yes. Yeah. We're going to ask yeah. him about it. What, what are your thoughts? Because there are so many people coming out today uh, that are saying, how did this happen? And where does it go from here with Comer, with the investigation, following all the leads that you've talked about, too? Well, whatever the answer is on whether the investigation is closed or not, I think this is an attempt to close it, meaning uh, they may say they're continuing to investigate, but they're hoping that in having taken this kind of phony, can we call it a plea, a misdemeanor plea and pretrial diversion, that they'll be able to cover everything else. You know, the 40 or 50 million dollars in bribes, the money laundering uh I think uh, basically you're talking about uh, uh, tr- treason with regard to China. I mean, it, if he if he isn't bought and paid for by China, he's sure as hell acting like he is. He makes decisions that are incomprehensible, giving up an air base 400 miles from China, uh, not not uh, trying to uh, uh, figure out what happened with COVID so that we can we can make sure it doesn't happen again. Where's, Rudy, you, you know, the Department of Justice, Congressman King, you know it, too. Where is the checks and balances in this in the Department of Justice when the FBI reports to them? Who does Congress get to arrest uh, somebody they want to arrest it? I'll let Rudy go first because he's in the Justice Department. I can talk about Congress. Rudy is right there. Well, I mean, actually, the checks and balances are 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 with uh, with Congress and and the court, of course. 
I mean, the court can, but only on a case by case basis. Co- Congress would have to basically use the power of the purse to force them to make the changes that uh, that they wanted. Uh, but I, it has to be done ultimately by the president. I mean, it's an executive agency, and the president has to reconstitute the FBI. He's got to get rid of He's not going to do that. The, 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 the Department of Justice is taking orders from him, and that's what yeah, it looks well, I mean, like. Until, until then, we're going to have to count on Congress and, uh, to do the best that it can. But they do a pretty good job of ignoring uh, Business? the most... Everybody's ignoring everybody. Doesn't this call for a a major commission like the old church commission that you know about and Congressman King knows about? Sure, or like the NAP commission. Or the NAP commission in New York York City, right. Yeah, well, we had a a police department that you could describe as, you know, systemically corrupt. uh, Congressman, we got one minute and we have to take a major break. Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, Congress has to do more. And uh, fortunately for the Democrats, in the... uh, Last two years of the Trump administration, the first two of the Biden, Democrats control Congress, certainly control the House. And there were no real investigations going on. But people like Peter Strzok and Andrew McKay, for them to be functioning in the White House, I think, Rudy, when you were in the Justice Department, if uh, your attorney general or you saw what the FBI was doing, either they would step in or they would go to the president and say to step in. 100%. Yeah. It'd be gone in a minute. And also only the upper echelon, the attorney general, the deputy attorney general, Associate Attorney General were allowed to communicate with the White House. You you, you weren't allowed to have uh, line attorneys communicate unless it was unless it was uh, authorized. And that was a post Watergate change that they've you know completely done away with now. Uh, I, I think the real downfall was Obama and Holder. I think they really uh, you, you you were there, Peter, right. and you had a good look at the department. Maybe Clinton a bit, too, but more Obama and Holder. They really politicized it, and, and it stayed that way. I mean, Trump wasn't able to undo it. Yeah, I, I would say Holder was almost shameless the way he politicized the department and uh, also the way he ignored Congress. He was held in contempt. It didn't bother him at yeah, all. That's right. Yeah, on I Fast think, and Furious, the whole yeah. gun running. Yeah, absolutely. Rudy, thank you so much for thank being you. with Good us. Work. We thank love you, Rudy. You. Thank you, Rudy thank Giuliani. You. Let's take a break right now. We're going to come back with Charlie Gasparino. Uh Chairman Powell uh, was on uh, television, radio today. He was testifying. He was testifying. Uh, Let's find out what the heck is going on because our economy, was it Blackstone or BlackRock today said we're going down to to the crapper. Uh, Let's take that break first. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back, John, uh, talking a lot, of, uh, talking about testimony today, not only the special counsel, but also the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, was testifying today. Well, that's uh, very, very interesting. And, I, you know, uh, I think... Uh, American people have to find out what the heck he said and where, which way he's going to point the uh, uh, direction of our country. And uh, with us is uh, Charlie Gasparino from Fox News, and and he's one smart guy. And, uh, well, Charlie, wh- which way is the country going? Well, I mean, not out of the country, but <clears throat> the Fed's going to keep raising rates, probably going to do so if you listen, if you take him at his word. And he usually is a man of his word, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, they're going to do it not at you know, 75 basis points a pop, they're going to more like 25 basis points a pop. 
and he's going to do it until um, inflation until he destroys the country. <laughs> well, you know, inflation destroys the country too. And uh, I mean, I, I think listen, it, it was a mess that was inevitable given what we did from a monetary and fiscal policy standpoint. It's not inevitable if you have a different person in the White House because they would, you know, there's a something called supply side economics, which if you lower regulatory burdens and things of that nature, maybe even taxes targeted, um, you can you could free up the supply of goods and services, but you don't have to uh, raise rates and slow the country down, slow the economy down to get to that two percent bogey. Uh, but that's out of the question. So now you're just left with this. And uh, so the question really becomes, you know, can we live with inflation the way it is right now? And, uh, you know, and who cares? You know, the problem with that, well, John. Sorry, is there something is I'm like, not seeing? Yeah. Inflation went uh, from an annualized 6% down to 4%. Oil went down to $68, $70 a barrel. So if there was stable if people feel that washington was stable then inflation is going to go it already went down to 4% yeah but it's still not low enough i mean listen all you have to do is look at what people say i mean you know they do surveys on this do you feel better off economically today than than when trump was president and you know not that they feel you know that trump was the greatest thing since sliced bread but you know, the economy had low inflation and wages were expanding. Now we have low, we have very high inflation and wages, and that's eating into wage growth. And so people feel, despite the fact that oil's coming down, there's other stuff that's gone up. And if you know anybody that owns a restaurant, they'll tell you that it's not exactly, uh, you know, the, the, the cost of goods is clearly eating into the profit. I, I bought somebody a, tom- a, a, a uh, what do you call it, a tomahawk steak? And it was two hundred and seventy-five dollars. Oh my God! We were at the wrong dinner, Judge. We should have been at that well, dinner. Absolutely. How do I get invited to that dinner? At least, at least, at least I know Mr. Katz doesn't eat at Tad Steakhouse. But anyway, <laughs> Charlie, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah, I see yeah. that someone named Jared Bernstein, who has degrees in social work and music, is now chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. Are they? Uh, I know Jared. I, I think he's he's got to have some economic chops beyond that, but yeah, he might have the social work down. I mean, really? I mean, is that the kind of person we want giving key economic advice to the president of the United States? Well, you know, listen. There's a lot of lefty economists who went graduated from Princeton, like Paul Krugman, who uh, or wherever he went. I think he's a professor, or he was a professor at Princeton, who would not differ from Jared Bernstein in in, in the, the their modeling of how to get an economy going. I mean, the, the problem with the, the Biden administration is that um, it's not just the lefty economists, it's the lefty regulatory burden. They, I mean, he's put avowed socialists in a lot of... Khan is the head of the FTC? Khan and, you know, um, you know, you know, you can go down the line. These are people that you don't even know. They're they're all over the place. They're in at the Justice Department. They're in the SEC. Gary Gensler, who wants every company to, you know, to disclose every every inch of their carbon footprint, which is incredibly expensive and kind of stupid, um, given that's not the role of what the SEC should be doing. So, I mean, it, it, all that has all that has an inflationary impact, by the way, because if companies are sitting there looking to basically disclose their disclose and tell their regulator 
how they're going to reduce their carbon footprint. They're going to reduce their carbon footprint. Oil companies are going to drill less. You know, you get the whole, they're going to put more money in, into inefficient wind and solar. And, you know, that all is inflationary. And then that's kind of what's happening as well. So the, you just got to ask yourself, if, if you want 4% inflation, that's fine. I can just tell you that. You but know, it went um, down from 6 to 4 with sixty-eight dollar well, oil, it'll come down further if they're given a chance. Yeah, but, but that's still too high because I mean it is eating because people don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel like they have enough money to spend on stuff. Well, it's in every survey, John. Every survey says this. Every survey is not like thank God it's gone from. But the banks four. are getting every to a survey, point. Every, every survey, no, John. Every survey of people and how they feel about the economy says they feel worse off now than before. It's too stuff is too expensive, and they can't make ends meet even if they're working. That's what that's inflation. Is that is that is incredibly destabilizing to an economy. It is almost. And by the way, when that goes on for long periods of time, it's hard to reverse it. Not only that, it it almost leads to a recession because people stop buying stuff, and then you get you get it anyway. So how do you deal with that? Well, there's two ways of dealing with it. One way, which is the Biden administration is not going to do. That's the supply side. The other way is to slow down the economy and hope for a soft landing. And that's really all that's on the table. And the Fed has a mandate to do this and it's going to do it. And you just, you know, plan accordingly and uh, get a new, you know, all right. get rid of get rid of Joe Biden. You know, Well, let's uh, get rid of the Fed chairman. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you for giving us uh, uh, what's going on and. Uh, I pray for our country. All right, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, let's go to a break. And uh, when we get back. Uh, We've got the Staten Island District Attorney, uh, Mike McVeigh, talking, by the way. No, he's not, he's but, gonna be not talking about Staten Island. No, no he's no, not. He's talking about the issue of criminal uh, justice. Yes. And, you know, we don't criminal want everybody justice. in the whole world to hang up on the phone except Staten Island. But, 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 listen, uh, he's okay. going to be talking about overturning convictions and this whole soft on crime You're policy. You're talking about all being around the, the country. New law. That's right. Crazy all All right. Out take of the break. Let's see what happens when we get back. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. By the way, John, uh, amazing night we had last night for the well, Police, the police Athletic, Athletic League. League dinner last night was amazing. We had almost all the district attorneys there, but I didn't see Michael McMahon. You didn't. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe he's Mike, busy trying he was to, trying like, to protect uh, the public. That's where Mike McMahon was. And this is a trend that's happening, by the way, across the country. And joining us now is Mike McMahon, uh, the district attorneys for Richmond County in New York. That's Staten Island. But, Mike, uh, this is a trend that's happening around the country, and it's really terrifying. Uh, they're looking at now in Albany. Uh, Kathy Hochul hasn't decided if she's going to sign it or not. But the assembly passed this thing where they would overturn convictions, wrongful like convictions, wrongful convictions, wrongful convictions that they Mike. claim are wrongful convictions. Right? It opens the floodgates. Yeah. No, that's right, Rita and John, and it's great to, uh, to be with you again. And John, I would have loved to have been at the PAL dinner. You know, I'm a big supporter of that organization, and I appreciate all the support that you give to them and the work that it does to help us work with young people. Uh, to be positive forces in our community and avoid the criminal justice system well, now. Well, it's always and, good to see you. you know and, and by the way, Mike, he gave a great speech. John gave a great speech. Dominic Carter was the MC. Yes. And, uh, and I contributed. And, 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 and the, the police commissioner, the police commissioner came. Yeah, and, uh, Keyshawn yeah, Sewell was uh, there. Great. 
yeah, well, she's great, and we're sorry that she's leaving. And John always gives a great speech, so I'm sorry I missed it. But you're right. We were out here working because we've got some challenges on our hands, most of which uh, is because of what has happened in Albany over the last three or four years, where they have really tried uh, by a thousand <laughs> cuts to undermine the uh, criminal justice system uh, here in New York. Uh, we feel it here in Staten Island. Uh, which, as we know, has driven down crime 20 years in a row until about 2019 or 2020. Uh, now, this so-called uh, wrongful conviction bill or challenging, uh, quote-unquote, wrongful conviction bills uh, is, in our opinion, almost the final stick of dynamite that is going to blow up uh, the criminal justice system and grind it to a halt. And it's not just me saying that. It's all of the 61 district attorneys from all the counties across the state Republican, Democrat, moderate, conservative, progressive, no matter what you may call them, who have all reached out to the governor and jointly sent a letter and said, uh, said to the legislature, please don't pass this bill. And now we are saying to the governor, please veto this bill. So can you explain what it what it does? Sure. You know, under the existing law, there is a framework for when someone is, is has a judgment for a conviction of a crime that they can challenge it at the trial court level. It's called a 440 motion. And under that framework, if they uncover new evidence, including DNA, even if you took a plea, if now there's DNA evidence that uh, uh, points to your innocence, you can file a motion. Uh, If you feel that uh, you were coerced by the guilty plea or that there was uh, misconduct by the prosecutor or the police, if you had ineffective assistance of counsel, if there's a change in the law or there are unknown immigration consequences, that framework exists and you can make that motion at the trial level and they're made all the time, uh, reasonably, um, and, and, and they are heard. Now, under this new law, if you make one and you're unsuccessful, you can just make another one and allege the same exact claim. Uh, if, uh, for instance, you raise a claim of ineffective assistance of counsel and you had other claims that you didn't raise, well, now you can make another uh, motion for those other claims, include ineffective counsel, and have a second, third, fourth, fifth uh, bite at the apple uh, and uh, even if, if, you know, if you didn't preserve an issue uh, during the trial or, or for appeal, you can now raise that uh, as part of a, a claim in these motions that that which do not even have to be substantiated by sworn affidavits. You oh, can wow. You in your papers and it goes. And here's the here's the kicker. The way it works now is if you make this post conviction 440 motion at the trial level and it's not granted, you can seek leave to appeal to the uh, second department for us here in Staten Island, which is in, sits in Brooklyn, um, and they have a right to decide to hear it or not. Under this law, it's mandatory that that appellate court has to hear this case again. So not only will the trial courts be jammed with these cases, but the appellate division, which the second here in New York is the, the busiest appellate court in the nation, this is a way for the so-called uh, criminal justice advocates to gum up the works finally and end any type of reasonable process, uh, due process for uh, people who are charged with crimes. But also, imagine if you're a a victim of a crime and you sit in court and you hear a defendant allocute that they were guilty and they get convicted. And then three weeks, uh, say uh, three months later, the DA calls up and says, sorry, we have to go back into court because they're making these 440 motions. Okay. Wow, no, you're just going to get bogged down. Hold on one second. I want to bring in uh, Judge Weinberg real quick. For- Mike, sure. it's Richard. Hi, Rich. 
hive mind. Listen, it's not only that they're going to jam up both the trial courts and the appellate courts. They're going to jam up the district attorney's offices because you're going to have to reallocate your resources rather than prosecuting live cases to go back and back and back and relitigate the earlier convictions. Isn't that correct? It is. And as you know, one of the ways they tried to gum up the works is with the discovery laws that we've talked about before. Under this legislation, we would now have to uh, use the, the, the discovery mandates that exist for current cases for cases that are 15 or 20 years old and, and uh, provide uh, brand new discovery or, or, or recreate discovery that we don't even have. It's ludicrous to think that any way that this system could work. Uh, and the main goal of this legislation is not to go after wrongful convictions. That framework exists. And all of the DAs have conviction review units in place. So that work is being done and it's being done effectively. This is a way under that, you know, uh, that that rubric of challenging wrongful convictions that they got people to vote for this law. I think I don't understand it. We tried to tell the legislature's late tours not to vote for this. I don't know what happens in Albany, but they did. And now we are, are really standing at the abyss of seeing our criminal justice system collapse if this becomes law. So we're urging all New Yorkers, I'm urging all Staten Islanders to please reach out to the governor uh, and ask her to veto this bill uh, when it's sent to her desk. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mr. District Attorney, thank you so much for being here. And you're right. Uh, this is just crazy. And it comes sort of on the heels of what we're seeing across the country in California, uh, Philly. I mean, so many of these places. Thank you very, very much for being here. Richard and John, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody's talking, of course, John, about the submarine, uh, this submersible that is down below in the water and everybody trying to find it. There are reports that there are tapping and sounds that happened last night and this morning. Uh, and joining us now to talk about that is Dr. William Parker. He, of course, is a senior naval officer, retired. He commanded three warships knows a lot of folks with the Explorers because there's members of the Explorers that are in that submersible right near the Titanic. And Dr. Parker, what what do you think is going on? Are these people going to be, is there a glimmer of hope or is it unrealistic? I think there's a glimmer of hope. First of all, it's great to be back on your show. It's a glimmer of hope, but I think it's, uh, it, it's getting uh, more and more difficult by the minute as you've got less than 48 hours of uh, oxygen left. Well, so, so talk about the search, how intense this is. And do you think, by the way, um, we were talking earlier, John and I, with Bobby uh, Chacon. He's an FBI diver. You know, they don't know this tapping. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting, they're tapping, and they said it's every 30 minutes, and that they heard it last night, and they heard it again this morning. It. How do they discern if it's the people in the submersible or if it's just another sound in the ocean or a mammal? How do you determine that? Well, that is difficult, but I'll tell you, that's a pretty standard thing that if you're underwater, remember when the Arizona went down during World War II, there was tapping going on under the water right there in Pearl Harbor. This happened again when we had uh, small vessels and submersibles because it's a way to communicate if you lose all other capability. Also remember that sound moves four and a half times faster in water than it does in air, so if you're tapping on something, there's a very good chance that somebody is going to hear it. Whether or not it's them, don't know yet. Sound moves. I never heard that one before. Sound moves four and a half times slower or faster? Faster. faster. 
fa- faster. It moves it moves a lot faster in in uh, water than it does in the air. Wow! That's why you can you can hear whales and on the other side of the ocean. Uh, what you, you what, can what I can't what I, what I can't understand, uh, Will, is why they, they don't have cameras down there. Why aren't they fully equipped? Isn't the Coast Guard fully equipped? And it's days and days and days, and, and they haven't sent cameras down or, or robots or anything? Yeah, so so a couple of things happened. One, there's not a requirement for craft that are experimental craft to have the same kind of safety requirements as those that are uh, recreational or tourist or, or a regular business. And so this is an experimental craft that just happened to have people on it that were donors, et cetera. So it's, it has different rules, and that's been a concern about this particular craft for a long time. Um, as far as uh, the Coast Guard getting out there, look, the Coast Guard, the Navy, as soon as they were told, I was told they had about an eight-hour delay between the time that this happened and the time that they actually were told, the Coast Guard and the Navy, and they started moving stuff as quickly as they could. They were, they were moving mountains. Um, but this thing is two miles down. Uh, and it's in water that's just above freezing. It's 36 degrees. You lose electricity, and you no longer have heat. You no longer have communications. And that seemed to have happened uh, about an hour and a half into the into the uh, evolution. And we're talking to a senior naval officer, uh, Dr. Bill Parker. Uh, Dr. Parker, you know, also just to get an, uh, an idea, this to me made it very, it hit home to me. They were saying the depth of the water, um, and you were talking, you know, over two miles. It's the height of two Grand Canyons, and the size and the width area for the search area now, they said, is the size of two Connecticut's. I mean, that's like an unbelievable when you think about um, how complex. And first off, first, hopefully they find them, and second of all, then bringing them up. How tough is that? It's it's, it's hugely complex. Finding them will be difficult. Uh, remember, if this thing lost uh, uh, control, lost electric power early into the evolution, then as it starts to dive, it's doing somewhere around 40 miles an hour as it as it hits the uh, hits the bottom. Uh, at some point there, it's about a five minute transit to the bottom. Extremely difficult to find something this small, not much bigger than a suburban. Just to give you an idea, it's 22 feet long. Um, it's 20,000 pounds. To bring this thing back up, there's only a few craft out there that can do that. One of it's on its way, the V6000, but you would need that and a U.S. Navy crane ship at the same time pulling this up, and they're certainly working it. The last part is, even if you bring them up to the surface or somehow they magically got up to the surface on their own, they can't get out. So this is very much like Apollo 1 where Gus Grissom burned inside of the Apollo capsule right on the launch pad because they had no way to get out. They're so like stuck inside, right? Until somebody unbolts them. Yeah, you're stuck inside until somebody unbolts you. So uh, we, we got a problem. Just heartbreaking. Yeah, heartbreaking. 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 I'm just praying Bill again Parker, for that glimmer of hope. You, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we have to take a hard break right now, and we'll talk to you again real soon. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, let's take a break, and we're coming back. With Michael Goodwin. Michael Goodwin, Goodwin on Hunter and he is some. He's got some breaking news, and stand by for those breaking news from Michael Goodwin, the New York Post. 
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. We're back, Rita. Yeah, and everybody talking about the uh, two standards of justice with Hunter Biden getting a uh, slap on the wrist, even that. I, I mean, Pete, that's even up for debate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I dispute that with you. It's not even a slap on the wrist. Yeah, he got up <laughs> way too easy. One of the great sweetheart deals of all time. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. And joining us now is someone uh, who knows a lot about the deal and the double standards here, Michael Goodwin. Pulitzer Prize winning New York Post columnist. Michael, your column was blockbuster today. Uh, what do you think about the deal that Hunter Biden got? It, it, it is amazing. Just the contrast of other people who had similar issues and they're behind bars and Hunter Biden, uh, your, the column today and the cover made me blush. <laughs> you see a lot, of, you see a lot, I saw a lot more of Hunter Biden than I ever want to see. <laughs> Michael. Well, you got to go through the laptop, Rita. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> my mother told me to stay away from boys like that. <laughs> well, she gave you she gave you good advice, especially in this case. <clears throat> Look, I think that the the overall perspective on the settlement agreement between Hunter Biden and uh, the Justice Department was not surprising. I, I mean, there were so many red flags on this case that it took five years, first of all. And Hunter Biden never complained that it was taking so long. I think once his father was elected, the fix was in. There, there was no way they were going to treat him with anything other than favor, favoritism. And, of course, we have whistleblowers from the IRS and the FBI saying exactly that. And uh, we're going to hear more from those whistleblowers in some of their testimony that could be published uh, as early as tomorrow. So I, I think that the, uh, the fix, as I say, was in from the moment uh, Joe Biden was elected president. You were, you'll recall that despite all the stories about Hunter uh, and rumors of an investigation, it was only after his father was elected that he publicly acknowledged that he was under investigation for taxes. Um, so that's how long ago this thing has been going on. The FBI has had the laptop since 2018. But when you look at the indictments uh, or the agreement, uh, the settlement, it, it, it acts as though the laptop doesn't exist. There's no reference to the bigger picture here. And that, to me, is the, is the great scandal here. This is... This is as though Hunter Biden is an ordinary citizen who earned legitimate money and didn't pay taxes on all of it. Michael, this is Peter. This is Pete King. Uh, I agree totally with what you're saying. You know, when they investigate Trump, they investigate every aspect of his life. Everyone who works for him, everyone who may have seen a document, anyone who, with Hunter Biden, I understand they didn't even look at the, the laptop. Uh, uh, Hunter's lawyer said it never came up. Uh, they never spoke to Bob Alinsky. Uh, they just they do a very narrow, the narrowest possible investigation they can. It seems to find the narrowest possible crime they can charge them with. And unlike if this were Donald Trump, they would have gone through everything in that laptop, everyone Hunter Biden spoken with over the last few years, every business deal he had, every aspect of it. Instead, they just seem to, again, he, 
uh, 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 you didn't pay tax on all you know, all the money you made. How did he make that money? Where did it come exactly. from? Why did these yeah. people pay him that? Yeah, and it says, I mean, it's, it's very vague, too. It says he earned over $1.5 million and would have owed at least $100,000 in taxes in two consecutive years and didn't, didn't pay, apparently didn't pay anything. But even those numbers are incomplete. I mean, if you earn $1.5 million, you owe more than 100000 and we know he earned more than $1.5 million. I mean, those were the big years with the China payoffs. So why they did this kind of limited way of, of releasing this case, uh, I mean, it's all about the settlement. And if he was going to plead guilty to these things, they could have done that two or three years ago. Well, so I, I think that the obvious, you know, what they don't want to get into is anything with Joe Biden. And that, to me, is the great scandal here, that they, as you say, Pete, they narrow the focus so it's the minimum thing. But where did the money come from? How much money was there? Uh, All this, uh, as Comer uh, of the Oversight Committee uh, discovered, all this money sloshing around various LLC accounts, uh, all of that is part of this, was supposed to be part of this case. Instead, it's, well, here's the tax returns he filed, and this is what's missing, ergo, these are penalties, these are, these are crimes. Uh, oh, and the gun uh, diversion program. I mean, again, it is, it is almost like covering your butt so that you can say you did an investigation when you actually did not. You did not follow the money, which is the first lesson of Watergate. One thousand percent. And everybody, we're talking to Michael Goodwin with the New York Post. Judge Weinberg, you got a question. Mike, what was particularly troubling to me is as follows. It took them five years to do this, which means they allowed statute of limitations to lapse going back. And that's a serious problem. So it made it easier. They did more recent years. They never went in to the fact that the – the unit that was doing the investigation in the IRS, the, the whistleblowers, were terminated. Just that in itself, that these people who were doing the investigation said that they were cut off and they brought in a whole new crew, also tells you that this investigation was never real. Your thoughts? Well, yes, and, and I have to say, too, uh, Richard, that looking, looking at the timing of all this, um, that that the whistleblower's testimony is probably going to be made public tomorrow. Um, it strikes me that perhaps they they settled this case now uh, to head off any clamor that might come from the whistleblowers. That it once we seal this case, then we're we're done with it, right? I mean, that's that's their, that's, that's, a, that's a ga- can be a the gambit. government's position. So, right. what could we see tomorrow, uh, Michael Goodwin? What potentially? Because a lot of people are anticipating maybe we might see something because that's coming from Capitol Hill. Well, that's right. I mean, that's uh, it's the Comer Committee, I believe, that uh, is talking about releasing this uh, the confidential testimony of the whistleblowers. That uh, we haven't we've heard things about them. We know some of it, but we haven't heard all their testimony. And so, if that is released, and now you have this settlement with Hunter Biden, I think the contrast is going to be pretty striking. And I would think it would be embarrassing for uh, David Weiss, the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, who settled this case i mean it's it's as though he's in the witness protection program yeah now he by the way he did come out michael and say that um that there's still some open areas and and i was watching comer last night uh the chairman there of the oversight committee and he came out and said 
Uh, he expects to still subpoena the Biden family members sometime this year. Do, do you have any faith that this will still continue, at least from Congress? Or do you think they're uh, dispirited or are they more emboldened, Michael Goodwin? No, I, th- I think they're more emboldened. And as to Weiss, uh, in his statement, he said uh, the case is ongoing. The investigation's ongoing. We can use it as a cover to try to not give information to Congress. Exactly. That was my thought, that this is this is a way of saying we can't comment on your questions because the investigation is active. That's, you can say that forever, right? And you exactly. never have to comment. I think that's what this is, because it doesn't make sense you would settle for these charges without knowing other things. If you had other issues you were investigating, why would you settle these charges if you thought other charges might be forthcoming? So I, I don't believe that he meant that in any serious way. Yeah, and, and it took five years to get on these yeah. sort of uh, right. bogus charges. Pete King, your <clears throat> thoughts real quick. No, I agree with everything Michael Goodwin said. Michael, just keep it up. You are the voice of sanity we need. You cut through all the BS and you get the message out there. So thank you. Very, I, I appreciate that very much, Pete. Thank you all. Thank you, Thank Michael you. Goodwin, very much. And boy, you guys, let's see what happens tomorrow. Uh, let's see what gets I unveiled on Capitol wait. Hill. I can't wait to see I can't this. wait. Judge Weinberg, Peter King, John, it's so great. What an interesting day we had, guys. And let's pray for everybody on that sub, too, yes. everybody. What do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and everybody. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.